socks. Go, 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 go. Let's go, 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 White Sox. Chicago is proud of you. This is White Sox Weekly, the Chicago baseball conversation on the new flagship home of the Sox. 720 WGN. And welcome in. White Sox Weekly here, the off-season edition, actually the first off-season edition, with uh, Andy Mazer pinch hitting here for Mark Carmen alongside Harry Tynowitz. Uh, good to see you, Harry. It is great to see you, Andy. We got lots of fun today talking about the White Sox. Uh, at the Carm is uh, on location. <laughs> And um, uh, I don't know how he knows Harbaugh, but he's known him for a while. So Karm actually in the uh, locker room with the Wolverines today, participating in the uh, pregame pep talk. So expect Michigan to lose today. Is that what you're saying? I'd say not to cover. Okay. They're playing Maryland. It's going to be hard not to lose. Thought maybe you were, uh, you know, making I mean, a, uh, hard to, you know, a little wager win. there. Yeah. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. For but entertainment we'll, purposes only. Right. We'll have fun. I'm, I'm happy to be with you. Of course, everybody knows you, Andy, from uh, not only your days um, uh, with the San Diego Padres, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, pregame host of your Chicago White Sox. Yeah, fun year. It was a, you know, I know that the the record didn't uh, turn out the way anybody really wanted it to. And I think that you know, deep down, I think. As Rick Hahn mentioned several, several times during the year that this was going to be the toughest year of the rebuild, and it certainly proved to be that way, not only just with uh, development, Harry, but also uh, key injuries, and that did, that certainly didn't help things. No, it was a very frustrating year. We had a lot of guys get hurt, and uh, Jose Abreu, who is, I guess you'd say, the old guard, mm-hmm. um, you know, he got uh, two, like, fluke injuries. Yeah, non-baseball things. Yeah, I mean, like, ingrown hair, that's something I could get. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody could get it. Right, anybody but not could Jose get Abreu. But no, how should that happen? So we didn't get to see him a lot, but we did see. I mean, Carm kept pointing it out. There, for a team that had the third worst record in baseball, there was an awful lot of excitement around this club, and an awful lot of reasons to think this White Sox team is going to be something, and it's going to be something soon. And it's easy to get behind them. And I know uh, James Figan, who's coming on from mm-hmm. the Athletic Chicago, is uh, you know an expert on all things uh, White Sox, not just the uh, the bigs, but all those minor league teams. So that'll be fun. Yeah, he got a chance to to check out every full season affiliate. He didn't go to Great Falls in Montana, oh, uh, but I, I, I would have started there. Yeah, you would have to start late because they start a little bit later. He didn't go to the Dominican, and I don't think he went to Arizona for the fall le- uh, for the uh, short season rookie league. The athletic one fit the bill for, from foot the bill for the uh, we'll Dominican. I'll have to talk to him about that. I've uh, I'd love to. My brother went. I've never been well, to Dominican. I've been to Puerto Rico. That's about it. Mm-hmm. I've been to Puerto Rico too. Yeah. They they uh, took a tour of the Bacardi Rum nice. Factory. Very cool. Yes, very cool. Some samples? Yes, some samples. Okay, good. The cups weren't big enough. It's uh, always the problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I guess that's why they call them samples. Right, they should have put the Bacardi Rum Factory in Texas, because everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> Easier access as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I mentioned James Fegan will be uh, joining us here uh, shortly. Uh, Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox for MLB.com and has been doing so for what seems like 30 years, he'll be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. And we're also scheduled to talk with uh, Brooks Boyer of the White Sox marketing team there, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in t- 2019. Yeah, he's I mean, he's more than just the marketing guy. Well, he's the man. Yeah, he's the man. He, he is, is the White Sox. You know, there's Jerry Reinsdorf, and then there's Brooks Boyer. Right. That's and th- that's pretty much it. <laughs> exactly right. That, that's it. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny uh, yeah, I guess you got to give Kenny, like, he's... Uh, All right. Well, for purposes of appearing on this show, it's right. Jerry Reinsdorf, then Brooks Boyer. 
because he's coming on. Yeah, looking forward to it. You got, you got Jerry Reinsdorf coming on? Uh, well, That's great. No, no, I think it's just going to be Brooks. But oh, okay. It's not just going to be Brooks, but it'll be Brooks. Brooks is awesome. Brooks can talk about anything related to the White Sox. Yeah, tickets uh, for 2019 and uh, you know the marketing plan and everything like that going forward. I, I, there's a lot to be excited about, I think, uh, especially you know you think about the early parts of next year with Eloy Jimenez, when will mm-hmm. he be up? Uh, will it be right off the bat, or will it be 12, games? 12 or 13 games into the season? Uh, we'll have to wait to, to find out about that. But, uh, you know, again, you want to see if Daniel Polka can pick up where he left off. You want to see if Yolmer Sanchez can maybe adapt to uh, more of a utility role where he gets 150 games, but maybe not at the same position. Yeah, and uh, Brooks can also talk about, um, uh, you know, you could you could have the thrill of your life and take a cruise with the Sox. You can go play fantasy baseball. Oh, I mean, I know. You know, get on the field Put with the some of your favorite Sox. Yeah. So there's, and then before you know it, um, you know, it'll be Sox Fest. Do those unis comes with? Uh, they come with stirrups or not? Um, if you're old school, they come with stirrups. Okay, I like the I like the old school look. I like the stirrup look. Yeah, high socks. High socks with the uh, little bit of the top of the stirrup showing, you know, the little horseshoe uh, mm-hmm. right there about uh, mid shin. <laughs> mid shin, you're a yeah. mid shin guy. Yeah, and you know we used to cut the we used to cut the bottoms and put elastic in them so we could stretch them all the way up to the to the top. Awesome. We when I, when I played hockey, I used to cut a hole in the glove mm-hmm. so I could uh, stick a finger out and like grab a guy's jersey if nice. we were you know mucking and grinding hey, in the corner. Whatever it takes, right? Yeah, whatever right. it takes to win. Team. Exactly right. All right, we'll take a quick time out here, and uh, James Fegan from The Athletic will join us as we continue here for a couple hours on White Sox Weekly here on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly rolling on here. 720 WGN. Fans, you can visit the White Sox pop-up shop at the Orland Square Mall October 15th through January 15th. Conveniently located next to the Apple Store. Fans can shop stadium exclusives and special promotions throughout the holidays and off-season. For more information and promotion schedule, follow the White Sox Store on Instagram. That's at White Sox Store on Instagram. Sox fans, don't miss any White Sox action in 2019. Full and partial ticket packages are on sale right now, offering you the best seats, savings, and benefits. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. We talk White Sox here, and then uh, we have Blackhawks hockey coming up a little bit later on. We'll get into some of that coming up shortly. But uh, we start our conversation this afternoon with James Fegan, who does a great job covering the White Sox for The Athletic. And, uh, James, I appreciate you taking some time. Have you been able to uh, enjoy any offseason in this brief week since we've had baseball? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Succinctly, no. Yeah, they've, they've got you guys covering a lot of stuff. And I know that uh, we talked toward the end of the season and you had a chance to to really go around the minors and find uh, some hidden gems there for uh, for the fans as well. And uh, your your latest uh, thing on the web here about uh, Luis Robert, I thought was really interesting because I think people forgot about him a little bit after some injury issues. Uh, I mean, I could see that being possible. He was limited to 50 games with multiple thumb sprains, and you didn't really get to see him in spring training when probably most people get to lay their eyes on him because of that first cropped up then and. They probably didn't hear much about him because his numbers are pretty limited. He was a guy who, if you watched him in batting practice, he you know could make an argument that he was as had as much raw power as anybody uh, uh, on the in the organization. And so he, when he kind of only slugged three oh nine, it went to Salem. You know he didn't really attract a lot of attention, but he says he's fully healthy now. You know something that tends to happen with guys with thumb sprains is they get compensatory kind of pain in their wrists when they're trying to return and. There was some suggestion from coaches talking this week in Glendale that he might have rushed back a little bit, kind of wanting to get as much action as he could 
coming out of that thumb sprain, and it just didn't really have the extension on its swing that would allow his power to play up. So the fact that he's saying that he's pain-free at this point and back in Arizona, which is a crazy offensive environment, the, the hope is that playing in the Arizona Fall League will have uh, an opportunity to really put up some uh, some fireworks, some noteworthy stats uh, as he gets some action at the end of the season here. And James, if, if you can't pick Eloy Jimenez, or do you say Eloy, uh, let, let's start with that question. Eloy or Eloy? I think it's supposed to be Eloy, but uh, Eloy has said that he's less worried about proper pronunciation of his first name as he is about uh, Jimenez being kind of what takes over how to say his last name, which I admit I'm not great into the habit of. I'd probably say Jimenez more than I should, but it's supposed to be more uh, a softer Jimenez, but um, we'll probably have plenty of time to learn during his 15-20 uh, <laughs> to 20 year career. So, yeah, well, with uh, 13 gold gloves, you know, 14 All-Star games, three World Series championships, other than Jimenez, uh, who would be your offensive player that you are really uh, looking forward to uh, wearing the uh, big league Sox uniform the most? I would say watching someone, I mean, Luis Robert is very toolsy and very exciting, and just his raw speed and power combination would be very interesting to see. Uh, just to be weird and out there, I would say that someone like Nick Madrigal, who is so contact-oriented, is so uh, strikeout avoidant, especially with the game, uh, the White Sox setting a strikeout league record and the game having more strikeouts in it than ever, seeing a kind of fun, small, speedy slap hitter like that probably be such a change of pace that people will find him refreshing when he does make it up to the majors. And he's an interesting name, too, because uh, he was around the ballpark a little bit toward the end of the year before Instructional League started, Nick Madrigal was. And, and you get the thought and you get the feeling that this is such a real confident kid and, and, and very polished, especially with his time uh, at Oregon State. Uh, he gives a lot of credit to his coaching staff there for getting him ready. But uh, is this guy on a fast track? Or, I mean, are we getting a little too ahead of ourselves? It possibly can, uh, just because the, the, the power numbers weren't exactly there in his first year. I mean, that's easily explained the fact that he you know, dealt with a broken wrist in the middle of his final college season, somehow still managed to bat like, in the 380s despite that, and didn't really have a chance to add on power or strength or bulk up to the way or lift weights like he normally would during the course of the year. He, he's anticipating being able to do that in the off season, But every, every description of him is somebody whose defense is basically major league ready now. He's very quick with his transfers and his hands. Um, the description of looks like a major leaguer on a, on a rehab assignment is something that's been thrown out for him a couple times. So provided that he is able to come back and have a fully strong wrist, and you know, be more energetic uh, after getting an off-season break next year. We could see him. He's definitely as much as anybody in the system. Somebody who can ride through very quickly. I, I struggle putting expectations like that on, uh, on on prospects because I think that was something that was put on, say, Carson Fulmer or Zach Birdie or even Luis Robert last year, given how professionally experience he had in Cuba. So he still could be a guy who could take another year or two. I wouldn't expect him next year or anything like that, but. Yes, he's supposed to be a fast mover. And the Sox do that with pitchers a lot. You know, you mentioned Fulmer. They did it with uh, you know Carlos Rodon. They did it with um, uh, Parquet, with Chris Sale, of course. Um, so, it, by the way, do you, do you see Madrigal uh, playing second? Do you see him at short? Where do you see him when he gets up here? I think he's going to have the ability to play short in a pinch like they need it. Like to say, Yelmer Sanchez can play shortstop if they, if they had right. like injury issue. But I would say he's primarily going to be a second baseman up then, here. Then where does Mancata go? My vibe is that there's a lot more openness about him moving both from him and from Han to third base. He's got this as strong of an arm as anybody 
in that uh, you know trio between him and Anderson and Madrigal. I, that's probably just the best fit for him as, as far as his glove skills. If he's willing to do it, if he they don't feel like they're going to upset his comfort level too much by moving over there, that seems like if you're looking at those three guys, the most logical step for him is to be there. James, speaking of the Athletic, joining us here on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Let's turn a little bit to the pitching, too, because uh, Dylan Cease had that, that kind of year where he was the MLB Pipeline Pitcher of the Year. And, uh, again, another guy that was pitching healthy for the first time in, in a long time. Is he kind of on the uh, the Kopech plan, I think? you know, well, Obviously, minus the, the extra in, in, uh, elbow injury. But uh, is he kind of on that plan, you think, for, for next year? Yeah, uh for all intents and purposes, I would say he's a guy that we're, you know, if there's no roadblock, if there's no big backup in performance, definitely having to face advanced hitters in AAA is not just like, you know, a nominal step for him. It, it should be a real challenge. But I would say a reasonable expectation is for him to be in the rotation low, late August, September next year. Rick Hahn definitely left that door open. As he's someone you can see in 2019 if he continues on his current track. It's kind of crazy since this time last year I was, you know, watching him throw a bullpen to try to get his shoulder right after it was stiff and ended his year in Kannapolis in low A, and now he's someone who seemingly has no major hurdles between him and the majors. So it's, it does kind of remind us these things change pretty quickly, but he, he kind of did everything they could possibly want him to do this year and in one year really transformed him, his profile from a raw, unpolished stuff guy to – the best starting pitching prospect still in the minors for them. Andy, you know what James is? He is a White Sox sommelier. <laughs> you, you know how you go to a restaurant, you want to know what wine to get, and yeah. you, you know like about Your eight parents, wines right? or ten wines, mm-hmm. right. And the sommelier knows every single wine that's available in the restaurant. That's what, that's what James Bing is. He's, he's your uh, White Sox sommelier. Alec Hansen, what can you tell us about the talented uh, pitcher that uh, should be up uh, and winning games for the big league club? Um, he's kind of coming off what is basically a lost season. Um, he he missed first half almost entirely due to forearm soreness, and when he got back, you know the mechanics weren't there in place at all. There was nothing beyond like an inning or two of flashes of just his delivery being in the right place. And he he kind of you know talking to him this offseason, he wanted to see his velocity jump back into the upper nineties uh, based on the conditioning that he had done. He had lost weight, and it, it's still kind of mostly ninety two, ninety four, which with being you know six foot nine, six ten, and the angle he gets would be fine, but it's just kind of you know a testament to nothing really working like he hoped it would be uh, this entire year. Uh, I think he walked around. I just added up around twenty percent, twenty four percent of the batters he faced this season. So they just kind of took the approach of take this off season, get away from baseball, completely try to flush this year and start back next season. And and whether that that's back in high A or. Uh, trying to get in double-A next year. Uh, it really depends on what he looks like when he comes into spring training and hopefully that it's a total reset. At this point, you know, cause consistency is such an issue for starting pitching. You know, it's not about how great it looks when it's all working. It's about how consistently it's all working. So I don't think you can really peg him very specifically or place expectations on his shoulder. He's going to be helping out the rotation anytime soon until you really see that. Uh, he finds the balance he had in 2017 again, and that's really an open question. All right, let's stay with the red wine pairing here, if you're the sommelier, <laughs> but uh, um, another pitcher to ask you about, and that's Dane Dunning, who uh, came over from the from the Nationals in the Adam Eaton trade, and uh, there, were, there were some high hopes, and then uh, a little bit of an injury situation kind of kind of derailed him a little bit. Uh, and from what I'm hearing and from what you're, uh, you're reporting and uh, others, that uh, he, he's feeling a little bit better and perhaps uh, will be able to be a factor next year. 
Uh, yeah, Dane had finished his second throwing session by the time I, I left Glendale on Thursday. He felt really great about it. He he's, has not had any pain in his elbow for a while now. Um, he's probably going to keep throwing into uh, into the end of October in Glendale and then have a normal offseason. I don't know if you can – he was probably right there with Cease when he went down. And certainly, you know, what Cease has and stuff – uh, Dunning doesn't have as much of, but probably is better off in command. And it's probably more of it's always been a safer bet to be kind of a mid-rotation guy who ate innings. Obviously, you can't be you know the safe prospect when you're missing half the season with you know elbow troubles. But he's still got that talent level uh, to just be kind of a guy who throws in the low 90s and can throw all four pitches for strikes. I don't know if it's I can't be as certain as pushing him as he's going to be in the major leagues at the end of next year if everything goes right because we haven't really seen him pitch since his injury. But he's got that type of talent and maturity level to his game where if he does return fully looking like that guy who was in Birmingham middle of last season, then, yeah, he's the reasonable guy to make his debut at the end of 2019. But it's not quite as comfortable to put those expectations on him. Hey, uh, we talked about where the need is uh, for Moncada. We need a third baseman, and the Sox also need a backstop, a catcher. Sebi or Zach Collins, who do you see as the White Sox catcher of the future, or is he not in this organization right now? Um, I would say that in the future you're going to have a mix of two guys kind of – splitting time for the course of the long season. I don't see either one as necessarily a 130 starts type of dude. Uh, you know, Sebi is kind of more advanced as far as his game calling and pitcher management, and obviously Collins brings a lot more of the on-base and, and raw power offensive potential for the reason he was drafted. I think for Collins, it's still, uh, you know, many a lot of work left to do as far as getting major league ready uh, on his defense whereas Sebi was uh, kind of still trying to get the figure of uh, you know, off-speed, off-speed arsenals and advanced pitching that he faced in AAA. So it's hard to pencil in anyone, certainly. It's certainly, uh, you know, if they were picking first overall, maybe we're talking about Joey Bart right now instead of, uh, you know, the mixture of those two. But I, I think they're both still in the mix to be long-term guys, you know, but, you know, even someone like Omar Narvaez, who had hit as well as he did this year with all the team control he has left, he could be, you know, another guy who's mixing in for, you know, 70, 80 starts in a couple of years, uh, along with the, the mix of, of Collins and Zavala. I don't think anyone's really claimed it as, you know, the number one prospect or the absolute catch of the future. I think everyone's kind of still in the mix uh, at this point. And, you know, there's still a lot of work to do in the development for both those guys. So I, I don't know anyone's really number one catch with a bullet for, for years to come. James, we appreciate the information, and uh, hopefully you'll get a little time off here now that the season ended. <laughs> your, your bosses yeah, have to be a little nicer to you. Come on. It's more me being nicer to myself and deciding I can never stop writing, and I <laughs> doubt that happens at any point. So uh, we'll continue as it is. You got it. James Fegan, thanks so much again. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, James Fegan thanks, covers, James. covers the White Sox for The Athletic, a, a fine website. If you haven't uh, gone to it and checked out his, uh, his work, uh, we encourage you to do so. Time out here on White Sox Weekly, and then we'll get to the news coming up on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly continuing here on a uh, gray and cloudy Saturday afternoon here in the city of Chicago. Andy Mazur in from our Carmen alongside Harry Tynowitz. We take you up until 6 o'clock. 
And then uh, Blackhawks hockey coming up here. Chris Bowden will be along at 6.30 for the Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, Hawks big win Thursday night. Yeah, it was uh, nice. Trailing going into the third period, about seven minutes left. Kaner made a play. Siebes put the uh, puck, put the biscuit in the basket, yep. and they won it in OT. Lit the lamp, so to speak. Uh-huh. Hey, um, we do our uh, text question of the week, Andy, mm-hmm. and I think this would be a good spot for it because uh, we just planned that during the break. Uh, so the text question today is sponsored by C. C.J. Wilson Mazda and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. We encourage you to participate, 312-981-7200. The uh, playoffs are going on right now. Correct. Although nobody on either side of town really is aware of that. Mm -hmm. But of uh, of the six former Sox participating in the playoffs, who do you find yourself rooting for the most? Uh, three of the uh, guys are on the Brewers, uh, Joachim Soria, who picked up the win the other night, XC, Xavier Cedeno, Tyler Saladino, Tyler Flowers, uh, still a catcher with the Braves, David Robertson, uh, part of that big uh, 72-man deal that Rickon made, <laughs> and we got a lot of good young talent in that, mm-hmm. uh, and then, of course, uh, there's this pitcher on the Red Sox. Uh, let's see. The sale. Right? Sale. Is it Saleh or is it Sale? I believe it's Sale. Okay. Um, uh, Chris Sale this year, 12 and 4. His ERA was a minuscule 2.11. And uh, he had uh, 158 innings pitched, 237 strikeouts. But my memory of Chris Sale, though, is him, like, you know, going Mano, him chopping up the uniform. <laughs> There's other guys I'm cheering for. I'm not. Chris Sale is not my answer on this. Do you have a... It uh, wouldn't be my answer either because it's the Red Sox. Well, that's another reason. You know? Um, I mean, I don't really have a team that I would consider benign. You know what I mean? There's uh, uh, a... That Brewers team is just, to me, is just pretty unlikable. You don't have a uh, horse in the race, a dog in the fight? I don't. I mean, it's it's nice to see guys, though, that were on the team this year, Mm -hmm. like... Joaquin Soria, who did some nice things for the White Sox out of the bullpen, finished the season as their their saves leader, uh, despite being traded. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard not to root for that guy. He was a pretty cool guy to be around. He, he was pretty cool. And, of course, he did not want to be uh, called the Mexicutioner anymore. No, no. He said, don't call me that. Um, uh, you know, I liked... Uh, I liked Tyler Saladino when he was here. He played everywhere, mm-hmm. never complained, uh, had a cool mustache, uh, worked two numbers for the Sox, and uh, 18 and 20, and now he's uh, getting his chance with the uh, big, big Blue Brew crew. Sorry I had the best numbers. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, well, I mean, you know, Sedania was 2-0 and with a 2.43, uh, but but Soria was just, you know, very important for the Brewers down the stretch. Uh, Saladino had 126 at-bats, hit 246 for them, five uh, taters, 16 ribs. But, you know, I like Tower Saladino. He played all over for you and just, you know, good guy. I, I wish he was better. Yeah. But he was pretty good. So it's a good question. Text line's open, 312-981. 7,200 are those players who you uh, who you still have a little soft spot in your heart for. Yeah, who's the guy? Who's the guy? You go, oh, man, that's cool to see him doing well. Yeah. I, that, yeah, that, it's it's a tough question, too, because like I said, I think that some people may have issues with the teams that they're on currently. Well, I think everybody in Chicago sort of has a chip on our collective shoulder towards mm-hmm. New Yorkers. Correct. You know, the New York teams, the Yankees, uh, they bug us, the Knicks. 
I mean, anybody who's a Bulls fan, you know, didn't like those Patrick Ewing, uh, John Starks, Anthony Mason, uh, you know, Charles Smith Knicks Oof. teams. Remember Anthony Mason used to shave a word into the side of his head? Yeah, he had that curly Q thing going on right. too, right? And I used to wonder, like, who would help him spell the word correctly? Uh, but, uh, you know, people aren't really big fans. But the Boston football team is mm-hmm. so pretentious and arrogant that yeah. they, they almost seem like more of a New York team than the Jets or the Giants do. Yeah, and it kind of takes a little of the heat off of the Red Sox, too, because, you know, you've got the Patriots that are so pompous. Right, right. It's hard to be as well, pompous. Yeah, you you can't. Well, Boston's won so many titles lately. Know. You know, the Red Sox were like the White Sox, like the Cubs. They mm-hmm. hadn't won forever. And now, you know, they, they've won it often. You know, I'm, isn't there a part of you, and I know they're in the Sox division, but isn't mm-hmm. there a part of you that kind of hopes the Indians win? I'd like to see some, uh, you know, a little mess up of the system, so to speak, uh, in the Major League Baseball playoffs. I mean, we've had the same, uh, same characters and teams for uh, the, probably the last two or three years. The NBA. It's time for a shakeup. The NBA, the last three decades, it's like eight teams win yeah. the championship. Nobody else in the last 30 years. It's like, okay, it's uh, your turn now. Okay, you go ahead and win it. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm 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 out on that. You know, I'd like to see some. Cleveland hasn't won since what? Uh, forty eight. Forty eight. Nineteen forty eight. Last time the tribe won the World Series. It's a long time. That is a long time. It's like seventy years. Yeah, I, I mean, I I remember nineteen forty eight. I remember. Um, you remember nineteen forty eight? No, no, no. I, I remember Orion just telling the story about <laughs> um, you know c- coming out of uh, grad school. <laughs> I'll stop. Yeah. He's probably listening too, so just don't you know? Don't do that. He could be, yeah. Or he could be out driving, you know, in the country. Mm-hmm. Could be at Jameson's. Could be. He does love that place. He, he and the wife go there all the time. Mm-hmm. It's true. Did you Did you have a point? <laughs> no, I'm okay. just I'm just saying. No, I mean, so I, you know, Cleveland. You know, I, I guess I would be rooting for Cleveland, and you know, Milwaukee's gone forever since they've since they've won. Anything. Yeah. The Dodgers, I'm, I'm kind of sick of the Dodgers. They've yeah, had me a, too. They've had a ton of championships. And the Braves have bad fans. Well, the Braves win that division like 12 years in a row, and they won one World Series, and the fans stopped. Yeah. They, they, would have, they would have World Series games, and they wouldn't sell no out. No sellouts. Yeah, that's ridiculous. How do you do that? You don't. Tyler Flowers this year hit two twenty seven, eight homers, 30 ribbies. Hmm. Could be like the choice by default. Can you go for a big t- t- tie flow? I might go with tie flow. Not to be confused with the flow B. No, that's, that's totally years, different. Years and years ago. Or flow rider. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that was a song called Low, correct? Low, yes. Yeah. And uh, Our House. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Would, would you like to hear some low? Uh, no, that's okay. Would I, you like to, I have, no, I have nowhere to go with that. For Andy? I, have, I have nowhere to go with that. What do you mean? Well, I'm just saying. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, and, and Danny's looking for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we have some. Here we go. Oh, yeah, I know this song. Where'd you grow up? In my house. <laughs> what suburb? I grew up in uh, the little town of Glenview. Glenview. That could be your name. You know, Glenview. Glenview. Like Flo Rida. I like that. Glenview. Glenview. I'm not Florida. No. I'm not Glenview. I'm Glenview. I like it. First name Glen, last name View. Uh-huh. Like the way you're thinking there. All right, so the text question and the text line's open again. 312-981-7200. Which former White Sox that's in the playoffs right now of the six that Harry told you are the ones that you are currently rooting for? Yeah, anytime you'd like to join us, uh, 312-981-7200. Unlike Carm, Andy's happy to talk to you guys. Yeah, I like talking to people. 
Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's refreshing to kind of hear from people that uh, that are fans of this ball club that uh, and try to get in touch with what they're feeling here in this offseason after what they watched in 2018. Yeah, it's a um, you knew going in what was happening, mm-hmm. and also you weren't the Orioles, correct? You know, I mean, the Orioles 115 losses. You weren't the Royals. You weren't the Royals, but but you, you knew the plan. You know, in order to get great, you had to you know you had to you can't start a hotel from the tenth floor. True. You got, you got to trash the hotel, and um, you got to start from the ground up and and build something beautiful. And the guy that's doing that building, mm-hmm. by the way, is Rick Hahn. And I know that uh, oh. toward the end of the year, uh-huh. he had a, a nice little chat with Mark Carmen. You are Captain Segway. Uh-huh. See, it's uh, Carmen Hahn, new morning show. Uh, we're going to get to that coming up here in just a few moments as well, because I want you to hear exactly what the architect of that hotel is thinking about look at you well you set me up it was nice it was just exactly how we wrote it out <laughs> you followed the script very, very well mm-hmm. <laughs> i get to be the i get to look good this hour you I'll, I'll make you look good last next hour okay that's good because i have 2023 i'm supposed to look good okay all right we'll take a time out uh but let me remind you this white Sox fans Sox fest two, uh, 2019 hotel packages speaking of hotels are now available this is the only way to receive passes for a weekend of white Sox baseball that you won't want to miss we hope to see you at the Hilton Chicago on January 25th through the 27th. Hotel packages are available now at whitesocks.com slash SoxFest. We'll get to Carm and Rick Hahn coming up here in just a moment. White Sox weekly continuing here on 720 WGN. Yeah, why not? Keep with the flow ride of theme. Andy Mazur, Harry Tinowitz on White Sox Weekly. Glenn View. Glenn View with you. Glenn Coe. Hey, everybody. We're not even related. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's a uh, texture who wants to see Curtis Granderson win it all, Andy. Yeah, kind of off the board. Uh, that would be like uh, two jokers in the Joker's Wild thing. You can go off the board for 100. Let's go off the board for 200. Yeah, so that would be uh, Curtis Granderson, the Chicago native and uh, contributor to the uh, University of Illinois Chicago. Boy, in a big way. He built that whole stadium. Great it's stadium. A beautiful stadium. Facing downtown. You can get to see the skyline at the at home plate. Nice, uh, nice work out there by Curtis Granderson. Nice work also by Rick Hahn in uh, tough conditions this year. Uh, of course, uh, the architect of what hopes to be a, a rebuilding team here. Spent some time with Mark Carmen uh, and uh, discussing a couple of the players that were kind of dealing with some adversity this year. Let me go to Giolito here. And so one thing when you guys scout guys is how hard they throw and all that stuff. But the other thing is, like, you're going to struggle at some point. How are you going to handle it? What's And that's a real difficult thing, I think, to just to, to figure out. Because, you know, you're going up against the best in the world. It's not always going to be Roses here. So did you have confidence that he was going to be a guy that could handle it when things didn't go his way? You know, we you're, you're hitting on makeup. The short-term phrase we all use in scouting is makeup. Uh, and part of that is how is a player going to handle adversity. It is very difficult our scouts do a fantastic job using a myriad of sources to try to get at a player's makeup. Uh, what makes a player tick and how are they going to respond to adversity or even success, which can change people as well. Uh, but you never really know until you have a guy and you're with him seven days a week and you see the ups and downs. You see him pitch when in Giolito situation where he doesn't have his best stuff. Uh, we're you know early in his White Sox career. He doesn't have the velocity that he's accustomed to having. He has to use other weapons to get guys out. Uh, and our scouts did 
hit the nail on the head with regards to his makeup in terms of how seriously he takes his craft, how diligent he is in uh, trying to execute a plan, how open he is to instruction and help, uh, his use of uh, advanced metrics at times to, to help him enhance his performance has been very beneficial, and that goes back to uh, the intellect, which our scouts alluded to, uh, not just as an a- not just as a pro, but even going back to an amateur when he was at Harvard Westlake in a first round pick back in the day. So it is difficult. It's something we we prioritize as as a scouting organization on the amateur and the pro side. Probably most clubs do too, uh, but our guys do do a nice job of that. And, and more often than not, once we've acquired a player and we truly get to see what he's about, uh, they tend to meet those those at least meet and in many cases even exceed uh, what our guys expected of him from a from a makeup standpoint. Let's move to Moncada. Are the strikeouts? Well, one to ten is that a nine concern? Is that a two concern? Where 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 do you come out on that? Uh, I'm I'm on the lower end of the scale. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see anyone striking out as, as in that high of a percentage of the plate appearances. It's not totally shocking given his development path and what he's done at the minor leagues in terms of his strikeout rate. And I think an important thing not to not lose sight of is when you look at the players on the list of those who have struck out as much as Leon has this year, there's some pretty damn good players on that list. Uh, you know, On the other side of town, Chris Bryant struck out 199 times in his rookie year, which is certainly more than anybody uh, wanted, but did not in any way derail him from becoming a, a superstar player in the future. Uh, I think there's things to learn about Johan's approach based on uh, based on the strikeouts, based on how they're getting him. Uh, the fact, you can't ignore the fact that he has 70-some-odd looking strikeouts, and the second leading guy, I believe, is about 25 lower than that in the league. Uh, so clearly he is, you know, he's got a fantastic eye, a no one wants to take that away from him, uh, but he has also seen what happens if you leave it in the hands of the umpires all the time. They're going to see things a little bit differently from time to time, and you're going to pay the price for that. Uh, I will say that when you look at a player who strikes out as much as he has this past year, uh, I would much, much rather have it be a player who profiles like Yoan, that being someone who really, really knows the strike zone, and a way for him to perhaps cut down on those strikeouts would be being a little bit more aggressive on pitches in the zone that he can handle. If we were dealing with a player who was striking out at that rate, who was striking out at that rate because more often than not they were expanding and chasing and trying to do something on pitches that they can't handle, that would be a problem. That would be something. It's much, in other words, it's much easier to get a kid who knows the zone more aggressive. Uh, on pitches in the zone that they already know are in the zone than it is to try to teach a player to rein in that aggressiveness. That uh, Time and again, you've seen very athletic, very raw players who expand too much out of the zone, and they get themselves in trouble. That's not what we're dealing with here. Uh, So, again, I'm not overly concerned with the strikeouts in the future, in large part because of how they're occurring and what needs to be done in order to bring them down a bit. Uh, I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that you know we're talking about a 23-year-old uh, who three and a half years ago wasn't even in the States playing professional baseball, uh, who still uh, has a 
absolute world of talent and is still developing. And and you line them up against players on that strikeout list, you line them up against some other players who are now MVP candidates and look at their first five 600 pro, pro plate appearances and Moncada stacks up just fine with them. All right, let me ask you about Eloy, and I'm not I'm not asking when you're coming. I actually really don't even care. Like everyone who's been free, like he'll be here when he's here. All I care about is that he's good. So my question is, how good is he? You, no one's literally listening because uh, I feel like you know he hasn't. He just keeps on. I know that these things are not linear normally, but with him so far, it has been for the most part. Yeah, you know. With him, it's been linear. He, he's sort of proven being an exception to the rule so far. We, uh, I think I've said publicly, and if I haven't, I don't mind sharing it, we did expect when he made the jump from AA to AAA to there be a little bit of an acclimation period. Just based upon, you tend to see a little bit more prospect-level stuff guys at AA. And in AAA, you see a little bit more veteran types. You certainly have those up-and-down guys who are sprinkled in. You tend to see a little bit more off-speed and guys who you know command a little bit better and can exploit a guy's weaknesses a little bit better than the, than the prospect level stuff guys you see in double A. That's a that's a general rule. So we thought, you know, young twenty one year old hitter might be exploited a little bit at triple A. Yeah, that didn't happen. He uh, he, he responded very well uh, to the triple A pitching and what they were trying to do to get him out and, and perhaps performed even better at triple A than he did double A offensively. Uh, you know, I, I see once again he's on the cover of, of Baseball America this week with a big electric on front of it, and uh, I guess I'll let the, the numbers and the, and the publications do the speaking as to uh, how good this kid can potentially be, and I'll, I'll just let uh, continue to echo the things that you've heard from others and, and from myself and Eloy's heard from us. Uh, we couldn't be happier that he's going to be a Chicago White Sox for a long time. White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn joining Mark Carmen and uh, more of White Sox Weekly coming up here in just a moment. We'll take a quick time out here on 720 WGN. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly continuing here on 720 WGN. Andy Mazur in for Mark Carmen. Harry Tynowitz is alongside. Hour number two of our program, a good first hour. Uh, with James Feagan of The Athletic joining us, uh, talking a little minor league baseball. We'll have Scott Morgan, who covers the White Sox for MLB.com, coming up shortly, as will uh, Brooks Boyer will join us. We'll talk a little bit about the marketing plan for uh, 2019 and some ticket plans that are available to you uh, right now. Right this very second. It'd be good to get on that early. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. You're an early bird. I, I'm an early bird, and also the fantasy camp. I mean, oh, th- there's I there's two really cool things you can do with the White Sox before the season starts. Three, mm-hmm. obviously. We, we know about Sox Fest. Sox Correct. Fest is awesome. You know, you have access to the players. They're, you know, they're, they're there for, for fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hanging out. And um, all the different clever things that they do is a chance to just, you know, walk through the hotel and, like, you know, have a conversation with yeah. Nate Jones. or Rub elbows. Yeah, rub, rub just elbows. Just be careful with the elbows, all right? Right. Meet Daniel Palka. That is worth the price of admission. That yeah. guy, I mean, not only is he like just a, a you know, a, a bomb waiting to happen at home plate, but he is just goofy. He is just a fun loving dude. But you got the uh you got the trip, the kittles going on right. with socks fun. on the beach. Yes, maybe later after the show. Mm-hmm. You have to buy me a little dinner first. <laughs> um and then of course the fantasy camp. I'm thinking that uh, of those three choices, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'd put them in this order. Yes. Well, maybe I would. You're doing your trifecta now? Yeah, I would have to go Fantasy Camp 1, mm-hmm. 
Socks Fest 2. Socks on the Beach 3. Not a uh, boat guy? or Not a big not... boat guy. Uh, not a big beach guy, to be honest with you. But I think it would be kind of fun. I mean, I would let's, let's put it this way. I would not turn down any of the three. <laughs> but if I had to categorize them in order, for like, my own personal taste. Uh, they're listening right now. So Brooks is like, oh, yeah, Andy doesn't I would not go. turn down any of the three. Don't get me wrong. My third choice is better than my fourth choice, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. Or, or my no choice, I, I, I uh, hear which you. is what I usually expect. Um, but yeah, just something about maybe putting on that uniform would be kind of cool. It is cool. And, you get to, and you're with former Sox players. You know, it's January 13th through 19th in Glendale, and you can, you can get in get in on that. It's uh, it's pretty damn cool. Get a hit off Bobby Thigpen or something like that, you know. Uh-huh. I'm not sure he's going to be there, but. Still got the save record. Yeah. 57. Something like that, yeah. That's a good. That's a good round number, yeah. Yeah, I know he was thirty-seven, so I might Correct. have the seven sticking in my head. Okay. Yeah, I mean, three great opportunities, as Harry said, and very accessible on all three, which is the cool part because spring training is one of those situations too, where it's really relaxed, mm-hmm. and players will sign autographs a little bit longer maybe than they would during the regular season. You get a chance to maybe have a quick conversation as you get the autograph signed. Same deal as we've already told you with uh, with Sox Fest and with the Fantasy Camp, and then you're on a boat. I mean, they're, they're I'm captive on a audience. boat. They're captive audience. Yeah, you know, um, looking at next year's schedule, where you can uh, you know get your tickets for the games you want to see. Uh, I don't remember when the Sox did this last, but they're going to open the season the exact same place they did this. Season. How about that? Very strange. I, I know Matt Davidson's happy about that. He, yeah, he is very excited. Uh, I'm not sure what the schedule makers do to the, these teams in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, opening up in other Midwest cities at the at the end of March, beginning of April. Uh, the Sox hated their. The, the Sox were in Minnesota. I don't think they left the hotel. I know the, the four games were. I mean, it went down to the last weekend of the season to make up for those games. Yeah. The day night doubleheader on Friday. Right, but Thursday, March 28th, we'll be here before you know it, and uh, there'll be college basketball on at that time. Uh, probably, um, you know, Northwestern, maybe. Hopefully, uh, yeah. D- Dave Anna will be calling an NU game, but um, uh, the Sox will open up at Kansas City for the second year in a row, and then um, the regular season, there are um, uh, National League East teams mm-hmm. coming to Colin, so that'll be pretty fun. Yeah, and we'll get the lowdown on the uh, the schedule and uh, some of the the dates that are already uh, kind of in in uh, pencil, maybe even uh, even in pen, uh, as we move forward towards 2019 for Brooks Boyer a little bit later on in the show. Yeah, you know, um, I thought it was great last season um, that uh, they ended up next last weekend playing the Cubs. Mm-hmm. I think I think Sox Cubs should be one of the last few weekends of the season every year. Because whether or not one of the teams is in a playoff, you know, hunt, I, I just think it's something for fans. Fans can look forward to, you know, instead of saying, "Oh, you know, it's it's, it's July. We're not going to play another meaningful game until, you know, August." I mean, mm-hmm. this year, this year they had the, uh, you know, the red, you know, the Yankees came in in August. Right. The Red Sox came in in September. Busy months. Yeah, some you know, Cleveland was here the last week of the season, but you know, I just like the way that worked out. Now this coming season, they'll play two at Wrigley in June, and then the. Uh, the Cubs will go to guaranteed rate the 6th and 7th of July. Just think, you know, that one game that the White Sox won in that two out of three series that's, could have been the difference. That's exactly right. That game. So there you go. Where they beat uh, Jose Quintana, had mm-hmm. a chance to bite the hand that once fed him, mm-hmm. and and he did not. So there, you have to think about it positively in that respect. Uh-huh. You know, you had, a, you had a little bit of a, an influence on what happened in, uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think you should organize a trip to the nation's capital. 
Okay. The, the Sox play Washington both here and there. So I think you you uh, and Carm and Hogue should like take Big fan fans. of D.C. Yeah. Huge fan of D.C. I DC love is awesome. going to D.C. D.C. is awesome. Can never get there enough. Right. Now, Philly, where they play, not so much a fan of. Cheesesteaks. Cheesesteaks are so overrated. Oh, no, not overrated. Got to go to the right places. Well, they, they, they got the two places, Geno's and... There's, there's uh, ones. Yeah, Frankie O, who is the bartender at Harry Carey's. There's one on South Street that's a little uh, underrated. I think it's Joe's, maybe. Yeah, uh, so uh, you know Frankie O, yeah. the bartender at Harry Carey's, mm-hmm. who's been there for 15 years. Uh, you know, He's a Philly guy, born and raised. He says both those places are like the, like two of the worst places to get at Cheesesteaks. Yeah, it's, a, it's tourist trap. But, but that's where everybody always goes. Well, because it's, it's the only place that everybody knows. you got to talk to the people that know what's going on. Yeah. I talk to like, boys to men, you know. They, they know they know where the best cheesesteaks are. Uh three games with the Mets on the south side this coming season. And I think even though he didn't win a lot of games, Jacob DeGrom clearly needs to win the Cy Young in the National League. He's got a great case. Tell you what, there's the, the interesting one's gonna be in the American League. There's a lot of guys that oh, can really yeah. lay claim to that uh, that postseason award. It, it, you know, he's not a sexy pick. No. Uh there's sexy picks on the Astros and the Indians Blake and Snell. on the Red Sox, but Ian Snell. Ian, uh, Ian or Blake? Blake Snell. Blake Thank Snell. you. Yeah, because there wasn't Ian Snell that pitched right, right. for the Pirates, I believe. Right. right. Yeah. Blake Snell deserves yeah. to be the Cy Young winner. I Tampa. Agree. Tampa. Twenty-one Blake. wins. You can't, yeah. Can't with, argue with that with Tampa Bay. It usually goes with a with a an opener. Right. Like a ta- bullpen guy. Tampa Bay had a fantastic year. Yeah. You know, um, I I don't think um, uh, Tynan will get uh, any Cy Young votes, but uh, you know, good year, great year for the closer from mm-hmm. Oakland. All right, we'll take a time out here, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Scott Merkin who covers the White Sox like a glove for MLB.com and has been doing so since uh, the beginning of time, it seems like. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on uh, what he saw in 2018, and we'll look a bit ahead to uh, 2019 as well as White Sox Weekly continues here in just a moment, 720 WGN. Before we get to the explanation of why we're hearing this music, Harry, you have something to tell us, don't you? Uh, I do, Andy, and I'm glad that you asked. I want you to bring a group out for a game in 2019 out to Guaranteed Rate Field and receive specially priced tickets along with a great experience. The White Sox have options for school outings, nonprofit organizations, and special occasions. So give them a call, 312-674-1000 for more information. And Sox fans, you can join Yolmer Sanchez, Tim Anderson, Nikki Delmonico, Ron Kittle, and others on December 9th for Sox on the Beach with Apple Vacation. Stay seven nights at the all-inclusive Ibero Star Periso Lindo. I just butchered that, but that's okay. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. In a beautiful Riviera Maya in Mexico. Flows off the uh, tongue there. Ibero Star Periso Lindo in beautiful Riviera Maya, Mexico. A private welcome party, an autograph session, food and drink, and a special group activities with your White Sox host. Visit applevacations.com slash White Sox to book your trip and you should do that today. So the reason we were playing the Michigan fight song is because not only does he cover the White, White Sox for MLB.com, Scott Merkin is Mr. Michigan. Did you enjoy your uh, your intro there, Scott? I did. First of all, how great is a vacation with Yomer Sanchez? How, how are you going to top that? I mean, that's that's opposite the winter meetings this year. I would be going on that trip, too, I think. He's just going to... He's just Go gonna. He's just gonna dump a. You know. He's just gonna dump a Gatorade. bunch of margaritas <laughs> on top of his head. All, all trip. People, people are gonna be dressed formally for dinner, and Yomer's just gonna be running around with Gatorade, pretty much. Right? I said. Uh, I got it. But, but in all honesty, how much better would we all feel if we just played that Michigan fight song, like maybe once a day or something like that? You know, just uh, to kind of pep us up a little bit. I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, we, you in the mouse in your pocket. 
<laughs> uh, I lost you after the Omer after the Omer vacation. Huh? Yeah, that uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Scott Merkin does some great work with MLB.com, and I uh, was really interested to read your story uh, about Blake Rutherford and Christian Yelich and the the connection that these two have. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I think it's been it's been talked about early in the season, but it, it seems very fitting right now considering. Kristen Yelich has made like one out in the last five weeks, I think, at the plate, and is playing pretty good defense in the outfield too. But they, uh, their older, their brothers played on a travel team when they were like ten years old. I, I think they're Cole and Colin. I want to say are their names. And Blake said the families were friendly, but he didn't really get to know them until they started working at this place, work out, working out together at this place out in Westlake, California. And I don't. He said he didn't sure, wasn't sure if the trainers kind of put them together or Yelich just kind of saw something in him that he liked as a player and. He kind of mentored him. He kind of, which it seems to be a big word, right, with the rebuilding team. We've talked a lot about that with Jose, but in this case, he, you know, he really kind of took him under his wing. They they talked during the season, and you know, Blake's going to be beginning his workout off-season workout regimen soon. After you know, all players take a little time off to kind of you know recoup and regenerate and everything. But he understands. He kind of said with a laugh. He understands if Kristen's going to be a little late for the workout program this year. <laughs> And uh, rightly so. You know, uh, I thought that uh, the last couple starts didn't go his way, but Carlos Rodon is a beast. Uh, Look into your crystal baseball for us and tell us, Scott, what do you see for Carlos Rodon in 2019? Yeah, I I think, you know, he had – you have to keep a lot of these things in perspective. You know, he had a real good year overall coming back from surgery. You know, and and this is going to be, I think, a a pivotal pivotal year for Carlos in his career because – this is the first offseason in a while where Carlos is just going to be going into the offseason just working towards baseball. You know, there's no rehab. I mean, just the normal state shoulder offseason program and arm program and everything else, but there's no extensive rehab work being done after surgery, excuse me, or after being shut down, you know, because of some sort of injury. So he's focused on baseball. Yeah, you know, he, he kind of joked he would like to forget those last two starts, and he was hit hard in those two starts. There's no question about it. His strikeout rate was down a little bit, but – you know, for a while there, he was doing exactly what you want from a top-of-the-rotation sort of guy, and that's going deep into games, giving teams a chance to win, strikeout or no strikeouts. He, he, you know, for like 10 or 11 starts, no, I think it was nine, nine straight quality starts, he really had that team and, you know, team going. So he's going to be a key guy, especially with Kopech out for next year, to join with Lopez and Gilito and kind of form the, the crux of that rotation. Offensively, uh, with Yohan Moncada, I, I know much is going to be made of all the strikeouts and the strikeouts looking but I think, and uh, hopefully you'll agree with this, or you can give me your thoughts on uh, on Moncada, especially toward the end of the year. It looked like the defense really picked up, and he was able to separate the defense from the offense, which he wasn't able to do early in the year. Here's what I would say about Moncada. Is I think it's perfectly reasonable, even if you're the biggest White Sox fan and the most ardent supporter of what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are doing in this rebuild, to say that this kid's got a load of talent, you know, top to bottom, defense, base running, offensively, and he's going to be a standout for the team. You really believe that. But he didn't have a great overall season this year. I think you can you can mix the two. You know, by saying "Oh yeah, he didn't have a great year this year" doesn't necessarily mean you're saying "Oh yeah, he's not going to contribute ever." He's done. You know, it, it just means there are some things he has to work on. And here, here's one of the things I really like about him, Andy, is that his demeanor seems the same whether he has two hits and two homers in a game or strikes out four times in a game, which I think both happened this year. And he knows what he's got to work on. He's talked about that, and more than anyone, he knows that what he's got ahead of him. It's not like he looked at this season and said, 217 strikeouts, man, I'm, I'm done. I have no chance. And we've both seen, Harry, too, we've all seen players who had immense amount of talent and just couldn't beat the failure. You know, the, it just got too much for him. 
they started changing things, they started messing with things, and it just never got back to where they should be. But I don't think Moncada is going to be that way. I think he believes in himself, and I think he's going to figure this out. And, you know, let's talk at the end of next year, if we're looking at the same sort of numbers, then it becomes more of a trend than just kind of a first full year growing pains. But, boy, I really think he's got the talent. And like you said, he had a really good finish. And he had a good finish offensively, I think, mm-hmm. too, besides what you were talking about defensively. So I think you're seeing some signs there. Granted, not much pressure down the stretch. You can just kind of relax. There's, you know, they were well out of there, eliminated, actually, you know. But I, I think he's going to be good going forward. Mr. MLB.com, Scott Merkin for a few more minutes on White Sox Weekly. Um, uh, TA, Tim Anderson, uh, started the year making a bunch of errors, and then he made some incredible plays at short. What do you think? He's more going to be that fantastic shortstop, or do you see him bobbling a lot of balls? Yeah, that shortstop, I think, that fantastic. You know, he he really looked in a groove pretty much the last two months of that season. You know, he just, that, that play in the hole between short and third oh. and, and really going into short left, I mean, he made that like he had patented that. And I think uh, he reminded me, Tampa, reminded me of you. Well, yeah, as a young little leaguer in, in uh, Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, yeah. And there, unfortunately, that's where it all peaked. That's where it ended for me. So that, that Damn. you know, I, I could have been a contender, but it ended right there. So, but yeah, he, you know, I remember we were joking with him in uh, Tampa when he made a couple of plays like that, that he, you know, the plays were Jeter-like, and he kind of laughed and smiled and kind of looked at us and said, no, it's Tim Anderson-like, you know. And, and he, yeah. he, you know, one thing I remember about Tim is when he first came to the Sox, people were talking about great athlete, kind of raw. Man, he would make a great center fielder if this doesn't work. And he was determined to make shortstop his own, and he has done that and then some at that position. Scott, we hope you uh, enjoy a little off time here as the uh, the off season gets going here a little bit. And uh, we certainly do appreciate you taking some time to join us here today. No problem. Yeah, I'm going to have some good stuff coming up from uh, my week at uh, Instructs uh, with some of the players out there. But otherwise, a little, little downtime until then. Are you enjoyed? And uh, you can play that Michigan fight song all day long as soon as we hang up. All right, sounds good. I'm going to start doing that then. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Take it easy, guys. Scott Merkin of MLB.com, uh, kind enough to join us here. Those writers, they need some time off, man. They do. they got to clear their heads a little bit. That is a constant. You're a beat writer. That is a constant. Absolutely. All right, we have the news coming up and then more of our White Sox Weekly program with Brooks Boyer. Scheduled to join us in the next half hour. That and more. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox, 720 WGN. 720 WGN, White Sox Weekly continuing. Andy Mazur alongside Harry Tynowitz. want to remind you that the White Sox Newborn Club, the perfect gift for the newest member of your family. The package includes a Southpaw onesie and a hat, a White Sox bib, and customized White Sox birth certificate. Purchase yours today, whitesox.com slash newborn. Yes, I uh, have no one I'm buying it for. Me neither. Uh, ever dream of being a White Sox player? Now is your chance. And Andy and I have been talking about this. Attend the White Sox Fantasy Camp in Glendale, Arizona. It's it's your chance to be Paul Konerko. It's your chance to be Aaron Rowan. All you got to do is uh, spend January 13th to January 19th acting like a Chicago White Sox. Get treated like a pro. For camp info, call 623-502, sorry, 302 Take two, 623-302-5002, or sign up via WhiteSox.com. Well done. We have a, a special guest joining us here, and uh, we'd like to welcome in the White Sox Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Mr. Brooks Boyer. Brooks, thanks for taking some time on your Saturday for us. I think we've got him now. Brooks Boyer. You got me, guys. We got, got you. Me. Let's talk some baseball. 
Let's do it. Let's talk some baseball. Brooks, the uh, the greatest moment in 2017 was Johan Moncada's debut. I thought the most exciting moment at the park this past season was Michael Kopex. Uh, what do you think? About April 15th, we get the um, uh, Eli, Eli Jimenez uh, debut? I think that, that that's good by me. Look, I'm the marketing guy. I, I'm as excited as anybody to see Eli come up and uh, do what he's been doing at every single level. But, you know, for me, here, the most exciting moment of the season was when Danny Falkner walked back out on that field. Uh, but a very close second was the excitement generated by Michael Kopech. So, you know, the, the future is obviously bright, and there are a lot of bright moments throughout the season. Uh, but but certainly can't wait to get 2019 going. Yeah, Brooks, I know you look at 2019 well before it, it starts, and I'm just kind of curious what the differences were in your meetings from uh, maybe 2017 going into 2018 as compared to 2018 going into 2019. How much difference is there in these meetings? Now that you have some some faces, you can go along with some of these names. No, no doubt. I mean, that is that's that's really the the biggest difference is is when you look at the recognizable players. And the understanding of the fans, understanding our process, you know, we've tried to be as transparent as possible, understanding this is the plan. Yeah, the plan was going to take time. It was going to be, there's going to be some pain along the way. There's been pain along the way, uh, but but our fans were braced for it. And, and now you're starting to see the excitement of, of a Michael Kopech, but then obviously the disappointment of him going down. Uh, but there's there's waves beyond this. When, when you start to look at, Dylan Cease being named the minor league pitcher of the year, uh, what Eloy has been able to do, what uh, the season Blake Rutherford has had. So there are a lot of guys, uh, you know, the, the excitement around Nick Madrigal. So they, they just, uh, this wave of, of talent is going to continue to come. You know, Brooks, uh, Lucas Giolito's got that uh, family of famous thespians. Uh, I would think he's a natural to get in front of the fans. And also, Daniel Polka, aside from being a masher who can just end a ball game with a single swing, he is just such a naturally fun goofball. Uh, you know, I mean, are there any players that come to you and say, hey, I'd like to get more involved in connecting with our fan base? Well, interestingly, uh, Polka's a great one. And, and you know, he's you know, somehow become a little bit of a folk hero of, of, of the 108ers. And if you don't know who the 108ers <laughs> are, you can look them up. But, uh, you know, the, the Polka seems to be playing baseball like he's 108ing. And it is, uh, he, he's really uh, great at connecting with the fans. Uh, guys like Tim Anderson, guys like Yomer Sanchez, those guys understand that you need to connect with with the fans and and you know our fans have been terrific throughout this process and it's hard to be patient we understand that uh but you know, you're seeing these flashes you're seeing these signs of when it all comes together how fun it's going to be and, and we do have guys that get it you mentioned lucas oh uh, come on get it and they and they want to help yeah, we lost you there for one second. I think we got you back there, Brooks. Uh, Brooks Boyer. I'm, I'm back. Yeah, he's a, you're here. We we love that, too. Brooks Boyer, the Chicago White Sox Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing. And, you know, the, the fans did seem to have a good time while, talking to some folks, uh, just enjoying their time at the ballpark. And uh, I know that's a lot about the fan experience, but it's also understand that when a, when a, a team goes through a rebuild, we always hear that the baseball operations department, they're all behind it, but you guys have to get somewhat uh, notified and involved and kind of behind it as well because you're presenting all this stuff to the to the White Sox fans. Well, no, no doubt, and 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 it really is 
when you look at our business models, the revenues in netted of our operational expenses puts the team out on the field. And so it's it's important for us to understand the, the direction and and making sure we're communicating that clearly to our fan base. You know, like I said, is is when we started this process, one of the things that Jerry said, that Kenny said, that Rick said was we're going to be very transparent as as we go through this, which makes my job a little bit easier uh, because we don't have to tap dance. Our fans know what's going on on the field, and our job is to, uh, is to make the experience every single time, 81 times a year, make it as good as it can possibly be. So there's, it, it's we have conversations all the time of, of, you know, what do we want this to look like? What do we want this to feel like? And, you know, the players are, are involved as well. So it is... You know, we're, we're in a situation right now, although we're not winning a lot of games, everybody in the organization is pulling on the same rope in the same direction, and that's, that includes our fans as well. Uh, Brooks, i got to hand it to you guys. I thought two of the uh, best things that happened at the park this year were the pregame ceremonies for Jim Tomey when he got into the Hall of Fame and for Hawk at the end of the season, and it was just so emotional to see Hawk that way, and I thought it was cool that not only the Sox, but the Joe Madden and the Cubs we're giving their props, you know, to them. Uh, how much time do you guys spend on, like, you know, setting up those pregame ceremonies? A lot. We do spend quite a lot of time, and thank you, Harry, for even mentioning it, because Chris Quintana and, and his team uh, really do a great job with, with these ceremonies. We sit, we sit down and uh, put out a vision of, of what we want, and we want it to be respectful not only to the person being honored but respectful to the game respectful to the fans respectful to to our opponents and when you see a, a classy gesture uh, by the cubs of of coming out and tipping their caps and you know it wasn't just joe madden and the coaching staff uh, their players were out there recognizing that hawk is an icon and and sending him off I, i'm sure that made hawk feel pretty great uh, but it is you know, it's, it's sad to see times change and, and, and things do move on and things change. Uh, but it's, it's, it's great when uh, the people that are honored uh, recognize how much they mean and, and mean to the fan base. Yeah, Chris and those guys up there are, are fantastic at what they do. I got a great time, uh, chance to work with those guys uh, this year as I got to scare kids on the scoreboard at, at certain times <laughs> during, the, during, the, uh, during the year. <laughs> hey, hey, Brooks, you did a very good job. Thank you. Uh, Brooks, so short. I would be remiss if I did not offer up a couple of uh, free ideas for promotional events for the 2019 season. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been down this road before. <laughs> yes, it's a scary but fun road. Okay, so <laughs> April 30th, the Orioles are in town. And when the Orioles and White Sox get together, throw out the records. Please, throw out the records. <laughs> April 30th, Brooks, that is halfway to Halloween. You do a costume contest, and there's candy for all the kids. you got, like, the ushers or White Sox ambassadors, former players, and uh, kids can, like, trick-or-treat before the game, and there's a costume contest. What do you think halfway to Halloween? Wait, wouldn't technically, uh, wouldn't... May 1st be halfway to Halloween since it's October 31st? Well, there is no game, uh, no home game uh, then. We have a game April 30th against the Orioles I can offer you. So it's sort of halfway to, to, to Halloween. Look, you're, Saint, you're halfway to St. Patrick's Day, dude. It's, <laughs> it's, it's never halfway to St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Hey, if you meet some of the Southside Irish, there's no reason to never celebrate any sort of day to have to, to St. Patrick's Day. All right, so you got that one locked in your phone? I've got, got that, that one. That, yeah, that, that one I just I did. I, I 
those times when I was away, when my phone was cutting out, I was putting these ideas in. Let's go with that. Andy, you ready for uh, halfway to Halloween? Yeah, as long as I get to dress up as... Wait, you said you had two. What's well, the other one? The other one is Paul Knight. You have Paul Canerco come back. Yeah, you know, you have Canerco like on the field. We show highlights of Canerco all night. And we feature music only from uh, Paul McCartney. So it could be Beatles or Wings. We feature Paul Simon. Could be Paul Simon or Simon and Garfunkel. And we show clips on the Jumbotron from Paul Newman movies, Paul Giamatti, <laughs> and Paul Rudd. And anybody named Paul gets in for a buck. I, I'll work on that one. I'll give you know, see, Chris Quintana and his team are pretty good on that. This is one I haven't heard from you, Harry. Well, this is, this is impressive. I, that's I have, kind of appalling, actually. I have pockets full. You know, you think you think I'm like just sitting on the old stuff, man? No, I wake up every morning. What can I do for Brooks? I, I like it. I'm 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 in. There I'm you in. go. Let me let me run it by. You know, we we one of the things we are talking about quite a bit we have seen from from our fan base over the last couple of years as you guys probably know you know we've really done a lot of work and, and research to to have real high quality giveaway items and and items like uh you know the the, the onesie that we did and uh, we've done some hawaiian shirts in the past and and we've really tried to make those giveaway items something unique and special that people like and we're seeing a nice return on those so we're we're looking at doing even more days and bringing back the Saturday night fireworks. Uh, they moved to Fridays because of the Fox window. I think you're going to start seeing more fireworks on Saturday nights along with the Friday nights. So uh, our, our promotional calendar is already getting full, and uh, you know we're looking for a lot of, uh, of ideas just like this. As we've been discussing, Paul, too. Paul Knight was not on there. As, you know, as Andy, as you, you're probably surprised. Yeah. Paul Knight was not on there. I'll put it, I'll put it to the team. Thank mm. you. By the way, Halloween to Halloween is also new. Not like I've been throwing that uh, at you. That's true. I do like the halfway to Halloween. That is, a, that is a good one. Any reason to have people dress up is a good thing. Yeah, any reason to get candy is another good thing for me. Mm. <laughs> Uh, as, as we've been talking about, too, I mean, uh, not just promotional events for, for 2019 uh, for the season itself, but there's a whole bunch going on in the off season as well with uh, a cruise, a fantasy camp, and, of course, we cannot forget SoxFest coming up. No, no doubt. If, if, if anybody uh, has any interest, the, the, the trip with Apple Vacations, uh, Tim Anderson is going. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other players. Well, Yomer's going, Yomer's going to be there. Yomer, Kittle. Oh, Yomer's going to be there. I think maybe Matt Davidson. Then a couple of coaches are going. Ryan Kittle's always there. This is a great trip. The, the value is unbelievable. You stay at an amazing resort, and it's a bunch of Sox fans sitting around a pool, drinking drinks, talking baseball with with our guys, and 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 it is a it's a terrific trip. So if you're if you're looking for uh, a getaway. This is a, a great value and, and reason to do it. If you do love baseball and, and and you're still one of those weekend warriors to play, fantasy camp is is awesome. It's it's coupled with the Dodgers. You meet a bunch of former White Sox players, a bunch of former Dodger players. Uh, it's a it's a and it's a week. It's it's truly a fantasy camp of of, of guys sitting around as as Hawk would say, sitting around telling lies. Uh, but the stories are, are awesome, and and the camaraderie is even is even better. And then no one, of course, wants to miss access. It's that, that's going to be a lot of fun this year. Well, Brooks, we appreciate you taking some time for us on this Saturday, and, uh, and I apologize for uh, for Paul night, uh, but maybe hey, uh, Halloween night hey. might be good. Uh, 
Oh, he's looking at me. He's looking at me really. Brooks, I might need yeah, you to come down here and escort me out of the building. Gets, yeah, be careful. <laughs> he gets angry, and 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 hey, we'll 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 put Paul Knight in the hopper, and you know, hopefully, I'll be in a really good mood if the Irish can figure out how to beat the Hokies tonight. Oh my God, the Hokies lost to like Richmond. If if Notre Dame doesn't win tonight, jeez. <laughs> Brooks. Telling you that this is this this is your it's the trap game uh, because Virginia Tech is they did they lost to Old Dominion but they are tough to beat in Blacksburg so hopefully we can uh, we the Irish I should say I, I'm not playing so but you did you did back, yeah back back in the day well Brooks again thanks so much uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday I hope it goes very well for you. Thanks, and uh, appreciate uh, being able to talk some White Sox. And Have I, a good one, guys. Right, thanks. Take care. And, and, Andy, I'm tweeting it out right now. Brooks Boyer says Saturday Night Fireworks coming That's back amazing. to the south side. Friday and Saturday. Oh, get love your, that. Uh, get, get the fireworks going there. Pretty cool. Brooks Boyer, Chicago White Sox Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing. Kind enough to join us here. Shed some light on some of the things going on in 2019 as well. We'll take a timeout and get ready to wrap things up for another edition of White Sox Weekly in just a moment on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly has to put a nice little bow on another edition of it. Andy Mazur alongside Harry Tynowitz. We thank James Fegan of The Athletic, Scott Merkin of MLB.com, and, of course, Brooks Boyer, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Chicago White Sox, for joining us here on the program. And, uh, you know, the offseason goes quickly, and this is a great place to get all the latest news on what's going on with the White Sox. You and Carmel uh, have the, uh, the White Sox Weekly shows for the rest of the offseason. And including the beat as well, which we'll have coming up here in just a few moments. Yes, and uh, the beat tonight will feature John Weideman, voice of the radio voice of the Chicago Blackhawks. What a thriller! Uh, he had a great call Thursday night when the Hawks down going into the third uh, found a way to keep the game alive. They won it in OT. It's just not fair when when you can put the guys when there's four on four in OT and you can mm-hmm. put the guys on the ice. You know, at least three Hall of Famers. When Crow's back in, the four Hall of Famers, and yeah. five guys. And uh, big game tonight against St. Louis. And uh, Winnipeg won St. Louis opening night and uh, for them, and, and then Winnipeg won. So the Blues will be nasty tonight, but the Hawks will get them. So John Weideman coming up on the beat in less than 10 minutes. Can't wait for that. John Weideman, a good man, as well as a great broadcaster for uh, yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, we were talking a little bit, and Brooks mentioned uh, a great moment that I had completely forgotten about it, of all the great moments that went on at uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field this year, the return of Danny Farquhar, and just that amazing story of perseverance and just uh, uh, resiliency in that guy. Not a dry eye in the house. I mean, and I got a chance to talk to him briefly after that. We did a, a an interview, mm-hmm. for, we had segments of it on the pregame show, and we sat on the stands, and he had a he had a batting helmet on still because it yeah, was just such a it, right after the surgery and, mm-hmm. and still. But he was so aware and so coherent about things. And I you know I told him my name at the beginning, and he re- he remembered at the very end. He goes, "I hope I called you by the right name." And I was just thinking to myself, it "Doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact that you're talking to me right now is a is a minor miracle." That's what you went through. One second he's in a major league game dealing from the hill, and the next second like. Everybody's heart's pounding. Like, what happened? Is he going to be okay? And yeah. th- thank God, 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, hopefully Danny Farquhar continuing on that road to recovery as well. Yeah, so we'll be all things White Sox, uh, even during the off season, and the beat is going to be, um, uh, so uh, look for uh, White Sox Weekly 4 to 5, the beat 5 to 7, unless Blackhawks and Northwestern uh, tell us otherwise. Big win today for Northwestern, we'll mention that, of course, uh, on the uh, beat, and thanks to Dan Long for executively producing White Sox week. As he does very well all the time. Mm-hmm. The story is the matter from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom coming up here in just a few moments on 720 WGN.